song and uh, saw it on the order of service this morning, and I was like, is that the song? And uh, it's been years since I've heard that song. Thank you for singing it, Brother Tim. Uh, take your Bible and turn to Psalm 94. Psalm 94, as we continue our series, Summer in the Psalms. And while you're turning, uh, let me just remind you, uh, this past Wednesday night, we had our first midweek family service, and it was awesome. Awesome. We had a great time and something special that we're doing throughout the entire summer on Wednesday evenings. And uh, we have all of our kids in with us and uh, they help us lead in worship. They help us with our prayer time. Uh, They help uh, share testimonies, praise and different things. We're doing that all summer long and hope that you'll join us uh, this coming Wednesday night, 630. And uh, bring your kids. We had them sitting right down front. They helped with the message. And it was awesome. Just a, a great, encouraging time together. Say, Pastor, was it crazy? Oh, yeah, and we loved it. And so, uh, but we just had a great time together and uh, hope that you'll make plans to be with us uh, all summer long on Wednesday evenings. We still have our teen service that meets, still have our discipleship groups and nurseries, uh, but we would love to have your kids with us uh, for midweek family services. Uh, It was a special blessing. And then the school is still coming right along. We're still a few weeks away from completion of the building. Please pray. Now, these last couple weeks are vital uh, because we've got some pretty strong strict timelines uh, that we're working with now as we get closer to the uh, completion of the school and the opening uh, August the 23rd one way or another we are having school and uh, start Augusta Christian Academy August the 23rd is our first day of school and to have about 60 registered enrolled uh, for the school right now and we're praying for the enrollment we want to see that number continue to grow uh, because we want say pastor uh, is that so that we can brag about it and we can make money no absolutely not uh, we want to impact as many young lives as we can with the gospel of Christ at a very formidable age and hope that you'll help us pray about that. And if you know somebody who's interested or looking for good quality education and uh, in a solid biblical environment, man, encourage them and uh, uh, recommend us. We would love uh, to be able to answer questions as much as we can uh, about that. And then Manny mentioned, and uh, Joe as well, about the struggles of camp, uh, the struggles of camp. And uh, all that has happened this past week, uh, it is obvious that Satan is fighting our campers uh, going to camp. We had a van breakdown last Sunday and uh, a van that we were planning to take to camp uh, tomorrow. And uh, the dealership said that the earliest that they could get the part would be tomorrow. So we knew that we we weren't going to take that van to camp. And then uh, it was, hey, let's just rent something. And the cheapest rental we could find was $2,000 for one week. And I remember years ago when I was doing youth work, uh, we could get that same vehicle for like 500 bucks for a week. And so it is crazy. And by the, we didn't get that, by the way. Uh, so, and I, our guys don't even know this. They called back. Andrew, Andrew's here. Andrew was on that uh, mission somewhere. And uh, I saw you. Uh, where's Andrew? Andrew, right? Where? Sorry. I was like, he's here because I saw him. Uh, But uh, you better be here getting paid. Uh, But uh, so I saw Andrew, but Andrew was on that, did a great job. And they called back Thursday, Andrew, and said, oh, yeah, that vehicle we promised we don't actually have. Uh, So just give you a follow up there. Just encouraging. Uh, So but uh, we have three minivans that we rented. 
to be able to replace all the vehicles that we needed and still got them all cheaper than we would have paid for that one big van. Uh, so the Lord is really good, and but we know that Satan is fighting when the Lord is moving. So please, please, please pray for camp uh, tomorrow through Saturday as the kids go out. And have you ever wondered when God was just going to show up and break through? Have you ever had a time period, maybe a season of your life where it's just challenging and it's one thing after another. Maybe when you're just saying, all right, at some point the sky's going to open and God's going to do something. He's going to show up, show out. And you just wonder if God is going to do something. Psalm 94 is that psalm. The writer is pointing to the people who are around who are causing problems and disruptions. And he is just trying to ask the question, how, God, how long? How long am I going to have to put up with this? How long am I going to struggle Almost like there's no end in sight. Uh, This psalm was one that they would sing in the temple midweek. Midweek. Anybody know anything about hump day? You ever heard that? Hump day. Play that video, guys. Uh Uh-oh. Guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Julie. Hey, guess what day it is. Oh, come on. I know you can hear me. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Listen, guess what today is? It's hump day. Woo-hoo! Ronnie, how happy are folks who save hundreds of dollars switching to Geico? I'd say happier than a camel on Wednesday. Hump day! Get happy. Yeah. Get Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Maybe you're just sitting back saying, why we show that video? Uh, but uh, hump day. Hump day. Ever felt like that? You know, just wondering, all right, we, we just got to get to a certain point. Got to get to a certain thing. And when we get to Psalm 94, that's where we are. In this series of psalms that we're in, this progression from Psalm 92 to 96, as we've started this Summer in the Psalm series, we get to Psalm 94, and it begins with a prayer. So let's look right there, Psalm 94. Uh, Let's read just a couple verses for sake of context, just the first two or three verses, and uh, we'll continue together. The Bible says, Psalm 94, verse 1, O Lord God, to whom vengeance belongs, O, o God, to whom vengeance belongeth, show thyself, lift up thyself, thou judge of the earth, render a reward to the proud. And then he says, verse 3 and 4, Lord, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked triumph? How long shall they utter and speak hard things and all the workers of iniquity boast themselves? How long? How long? Maybe you're here this morning or watching online and that's your question today. How long? How long is it going to be like this? How long is this going to continue? And I hope that throughout the course of this passage this morning, we can answer the question, how long? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for the day and thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, thank you for the truths from the word of God that, were, that provide comfort and hope for us. Lord, I ask that you please speak to our hearts and uh, please give us what we need today. Uh, Lord, as we seek to honor you with our time, Lord, please receive our worship. Uh, Lord, uh, when we spend time in your word, it's just as much worship as when we sing and lift our voices together. Lord, please help us to come with a heart that's prepared to receive what you have for us. Lord, help us to have a heart that's ready to respond to what you would speak to us. And uh, Lord, I ask that you please... Speak to us. Speak through me, Lord. Please cleanse me of sin. Forgive me of anything unconfessed. And uh, Lord, help me to be clean as I preach to your people. Please speak to us in our hearts. And if there's one here today that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, please help today to be their day. And Lord, for those who are asking the question, how long? How long will it be uh, before I see God do something? Before I see him break through? Uh, Lord, help them to see encouragement today from your word. Help them to have hope today that they know that you are going to do something miraculous 
miraculous and significant in our lives because of our faith in you. We love you and thank you for loving us in Jesus' name. Amen. We know that the air conditioning is working. We can hear the lights shaking uh, this morning, which is a blessing. Thankful for that. Uh, but uh, take your notes and your handout, and you can write down number one. We see the speculation. The speculation. By the way, that light will not fall and hit anybody. Uh, but uh, it is shaking. I hear it. Uh, the speculation. The psalm begins with a prayer. It's a request to the Lord for something very specific. We see, number one, the wondering that is mentioned. The wondering. Uh, The psalmist points out who is the one who exacts revenge and vengeance. We see in uh, the first couple of verses, we see the word vengeance. Vengeance. uh, To whom vengeance belongeth. Uh, The Hebrew word nekamah means to avenge or revenge. Uh, The psalmist is speaking and saying, God is the one who is going to be the avenger. Uh, Not Thor or Captain America, by the way. That's uh, totally different. But uh, the avenger. God is the one who is going to make all things right. He's the one who's going to set the record straight. And, And that's significant to us because don't we try to set the record straight ourselves? Aren't we the ones who we try and fix things on our own? Aren't we the ones who take matters into our own hands? Well, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. uh, The Lord says you might want to hang on to that piece. You might need it down the road. Uh, But you think about how God is the avenger, not us. He's the one who is avenging. Remember Paul said in Romans chapter 12 and verse 19, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. Put wrath, that feeling, that anger in its proper place, For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. See, it's God. He is the avenger. And it's not our job to make things right. That's his job. Uh, It's not our job to fix things. That's his job. And he asks the Lord in verse number 1 and 2, he says, show yourself. Verse 2, lift up thyself. Uh, Lord, show yourself. Make yourself real in this situation. Uh, you're the judge of the earth. And we know that uh, his, this is the Lord. This is the one who is going to make things right in the end. But how often have we asked this prayer? Uh, Lord, when are you going to come through? How long is it going to be? And we see those who are behind the scenes who are manipulating in verse number 2. It says, render a reward to the proud. The proud, those who are filled with pride. And there are times in our lives where it feels like the world is getting away with everything. And the believers, those who are doing right, are being accused of everything. And we see that over and over. Abraham said it this way in Genesis chapter number 18 and verse 25. He was talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. He was talking about the Lord's decision to destroy the city. And in verse number 25, he says, That be far from thee to do after this man, or to slay the righteous and with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked, that be far from thee. And then he says this, Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? It's a valid question. Isn't the Lord the one who knows all things? The one who's over all things? Isn't he the one who's going to do right? Uh, Isn't he the one, maybe you've asked the question, when is God going to do right by me? Uh, That's who he is and what he does, by the way. He is a righteous God. He does that which is right. That which is right. So ask yourself this morning, will God do what is right? Uh, See, he has a really good track record of righteousness. 
He has a really good track record of doing what is right and what is just and what is fair. But it didn't stop the psalmist from asking the question in verse 3 and 4, how long? Three times, how long, how long, how long? David had asked this question before, by the way. In Psalm 13 and verse 1 and 2, again, over and over, How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord? Forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall mine enemy be exalted over me? And you might be wondering the same thing today. How long? Is it going to be like this forever? Just remember what it says. It's easy for us to ask why, but just remember what God said in the book of Isaiah. Verse, chapter 55 and verse 8 and 9. Just a good reminder for us. He said, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. God doesn't look at your situation and my situation the same way we do, does he? He looks at things from a different perspective. I like that old song, uh, when I look up, think about the tapestry that God is weaving in our life. When I look up from my point of view, all I see is the threads. You ever looked at one of those tapestries from the bottom side? It's nasty. It's, it's just all this mixed, mangled, uh, all this bunch of stuff that doesn't make any sense, but on the top side. See, God sees everything from the top side. And he's weaving a masterpiece, but we can't see that. All we see is the threads, what he's doing. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, uh, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, God doesn't have to give us an explanation. He doesn't owe us anything. He doesn't have to give us his reasoning. He doesn't have to explain anything. But he does expect us to trust in him. See, he doesn't have to give us his plans, his thoughts, his reasoning, his desires, his purpose. But he does expect total trust from us. Remember, it's not wrong to ask God why. But it is wrong that you demand he answer you. God, why am I going through this? God, give me. You deserve to give me. I deserve an answer. No, we don't. We don't deserve anything from him. It's his grace where he gives us blessings. And it's his grace where he gives us his goodness. It's his grace where he offers salvation. He doesn't owe us anything. But when we look at, we wonder. We look at our world and we wonder and say, God, how long? How long? Which leads us to verse number 5 through 7 where we see the working. Not just the wondering, but the working. Look at verse 5. They break in pieces thy people, O Lord, and afflict thine heritage. The work of their hands is not positive, it's negative. What they're doing is not good, it's bad. And the goal of the enemy is to break down everything that the Lord is doing. Everything that he has done. The target of the enemy is those that have no one to defend them. Remember in Psalm 146 verse 8 and 9, it talks about the wicked and what they do and what their plan is. It says, the Lord openeth the eyes of the blind. Excuse me, wrong verse. The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind. The Lord raiseth them that are bowed down. The Lord loveth the righteous. The Lord preserveth the strangers. He relieveth the fatherless and widow, but the way of the wicked he turneth upside down. Look back at verse number 6. They slay the widow and the stranger. And murder the fatherless. And then in Psalm 146, 8 and 9, David says, Hey, but the Lord is looking out for those people. The Lord is looking out for the stranger, verse 9. He's looking out for the fatherless, the widow. He's looking out for them, but he does that by turning the wicked upside down. He makes sure that we are provided for, makes sure that we are cared for. So we can wait on his timing, 
or we can get ahead of him and try and do it ourselves. But I promise, when we do it ourselves, we make a mess. We make a mess. And don't we run that mess directly to the Lord? As soon as we make a mess, oh God, get me out of this mess. And we created it. Where God just wanted us to wait. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. Wait. Wait. Remember the story of Jonah? A perfect picture of somebody who heard about God's plan and didn't want anything to do with it. Remember the story of Jonah? How Jonah was told by the Lord to go to Nineveh and preach to godless people. Preach to terrorists. That's who they were. That's what their track record was. And Jonah said, no way, Jose. And he got onto a boat heading to Tarshish. He said, I'm going to go 1,500 miles away from where God wants me to be. Just for contrast, Denver is 1,567 miles from here. I'm going to get on a boat and I'm going to Denver. It'd be kind of hard to do. Uh, but uh, I, I'm going to get on a boat and I'm going to Tarshish. Tarshish was the last known part of their world. I'm going to go to the farthest point possible because if we go any farther, I'm going to fall off the face of the earth. I hope nobody in this room believes that, uh, but there are a few. But I, I'm going to go as far as I can, the farthest point away I can get. I'm going to Tarshish. And remember, his frame of mind was the exact same frame of mind as the wicked in verse number 7. Look at verse 7. Yet they say, the wicked, they say, the Lord shall not see, neither shall the God of Jacob regard it. Hey, God's not watching. God's not paying attention. God's not concerned with that. God doesn't, he's not going to say anything to me. I'm just going to get on this boat and I'm getting out of Dodge. What was Jonah's song after he encountered the whale? In Jonah chapter 2 and verse number 9, he said, But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. And then he said this, Salvation is of the Lord. Hey, Lord, you've put me in a place where I have no other choice. And if you follow out chapter 3 and chapter 4 of Jonah, we say, man, this is a breakthrough moment. Ah, not really. Because Jonah had a pretty crummy attitude when he got to Nineveh and preached and God did something miraculous. When everybody in town, wouldn't it be awesome if everybody in Fishersville came to know Jesus as their Savior? That'd be incredible. But imagine, Jonah gets upset that God saves people. That sounds like a great example of a preacher. God, why don't you just kill them? Save them first, then kill them. Uh, you know, with, why, God, why are you doing that? And he recognizes, chapter 2, verse 9, that salvation is who God is, and that's what he does. And maybe you're in the room or watching, and that's what you need today. Instead of saying, Lord, how long... Let's flip that around and ask the question, how long is he going to put up with you not making a decision? Remember, how long halt you between two opinions? Remember that story in the Old Testament? Hey, how long are you going to waver and waffle back and forth between doing what's right and surrendering to him or continuing down the path that you're on that you're not getting anywhere? Which one are you going to decide? The wondering, the working, all of this working of the wicked and how God is just kind of waiting, waiting. We see the wisdom in verse 8 through 11. The wisdom. The psalmist goes for the knockout punch. 
and calls these people exactly what they are. Look at verse 8. Understand ye brutish among the people. The, brood, the word brutish is talking about being dull, being insensitive. And don't we live in an insensitive society today? Hey, you need to accept who we are and what we do. That's pretty insensitive. And when we talk about love, there's an asterisk that gets applied to it. See, biblical love is the kind that God puts in the hearts of man. But love is not lust. Not the same thing. And what we see being carried out today in our world, especially this month, is not love. Say, did pastor really just say that? Oh yeah, because it's in the book. What we see being carried out right now in our world today is not love, it's lust. And lust is not of God. I don't care if people don't like it. it. Lust is not of God. And what's being carried out in our world today is not biblical love. Can we love everyone? Absolutely, with the love that Christ has for us. And we share that love with other people. But listen, the love that he has for us cannot be distorted. Cannot come about any other way than his word says. And there are things being carried out in our world, not just in that one issue, not just in uh, the issue of homosexuality being carried out this month and uh, Pride Month and all this different stuff. We're talking about the love that reaches to people of every nation, creed, tribe, and tongue, not just focusing on one specific people group. We're talking about loving everyone. We're talking about loving the neighbor who is nice but doesn't have Jesus. We're talking about loving the person who is on the street corner who says homeless. We're talking about the person who is against us at work. We're talking about our co-workers that don't like us because we name the name of Jesus. We show love, Christian love, Christian love. And not that retaliatory love. Well, I'll love you if you love me because if that's the kind of love that Jesus would have had for us, guess what? We'd still be lost. Jesus never would have come because he loved us first. We love him, First John, we love him because he first loved us. That's what gives us the ability to love him in return. The wisdom. Remember, pride hinders all kinds of things. Psalm 14 in verse number 1 the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There's none that doeth good. Verse 4, have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge? No knowledge? Who eat up my people as they eat bread and call not upon the Lord. All of these things that we could do. But then he starts asking questions in verse number 9 of our text. He that planteth the ear, shall he not hear? He that formed the eye, shall he not see? He's asking all these questions. If God created the ear, don't we think that he can hear? If God created the eye, don't we think that he can see? If God, he that chastiseth the heathen, shall not he correct? He that teacheth man knowledge, shall not he know? And then verse number 11, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of man. Ouch. God knows our thoughts. That's a scary thought. The Bible says in Proverbs 15, verse 3, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. God sees it all. And He knows our thoughts. J.C. Ryle said, Thoughts are the parents of words and deeds. Thoughts are the parents of 
of words and deeds. What are our thoughts supposed to look like? What, what kind of thoughts are we supposed to have as believers, as people? What are we supposed to think on? Of Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. Are the thoughts that you have, are they true thoughts? Whatsoever things are honest. Do you have honest thoughts? Uh, whatsoever things are just, are they righteous? Whatsoever things are pure, the thoughts that we have, are they pure? Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things of good report, if they have good to be said about them, if there's any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. That's your filter. Can your thoughts go through that filter and come out un- unaffected? Can the thoughts that we have when we go to work tomorrow, the thoughts that we have when we watch television this afternoon, the thoughts that we have with people that we see or people that we know, can they be filtered through that process and come out on the other side? But contrast that to how God thinks about us. Psalm 139 verse 17. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. Hey, God looks at us, church, differently than we look at others. God has precious thoughts. God has all of these. He is the filter. God has pure, just, right, honest thoughts, good report, virtuous thoughts about us. But do we emulate that with other people? Do we have those kind of thoughts? The wondering, how long? The working of the wicked, the wisdom that's there. But then number four, we see the walking. Look at the walking in verse number 12. Blessed is the man whom thou chastenest, O Lord. The word blessed typically means happy. Happy. So he's saying when when you are chastened, when God corrects you, you should be happy. Now, I don't know many kids growing up that when they got spanked, they said, this is such a happy moment. If, if, you, if you were one of those kids, uh, please don't get near us. Uh, but if you were one of those kids that said, man, I, I'm happy that I got this spanking. I'm happy that I got disciplined. Man, there's a different kind of special for those kind of people. But we didn't say that growing up. But let's look back on our childhood And let's say, man, I sure am happy and glad that I had parents that loved me enough to correct me. Sure am glad that I had parents who cared about me and my decisions and how I grew up and what choices I made where they would actually give me guidance and correct me. See, blessed is the man, that person, looking back on, I can look back and say, man, I was blessed for that. I was happy, not in the moment. But hey, I can look back and say I'm thankful for that. Blessed is the man whom thou chastest and teachest him out of what? Our opinion? No, no. Out of thy law. Hey, we're blessed. If you grew up in a home where somebody brought you to church, you know, you were drugged, drugged to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Uh, you were drugged. You were, if you were brought up in a family that said, hey, there is a way that we're going to do this and it's right. And we don't care if you don't like it. When you live in our house, you abide by our rules. You had parents like that. Be thankful. And then every now and then, tell them that you're thankful. Don't just internalize that, but publicize that. Let your parents know that you were thankful that they at least 
cared about how you turned out. But then we think about verse number 13. Why is he chastening us? That thou mayest give him rest from the days of adversity until the pit be digged for the wicked. Knowing that he's with me should provide me with a satisfaction to know, hey, I can rest in that. I can rest knowing that there is something above me and he's going to provide me strength for the struggle. He gives me that rest in the days of adversity, knowing that there is a pit being dug for the wicked. There is an end result for wickedness. It's what David said in Psalm 23 and verse number 4 when he said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff. It's interesting, rod and staff. One is for correction and one is for protection. And isn't it interesting that God uses the rod and staff in our lives? He protects us and he corrects us. Because that's who he is and that's how he loves us. Loves us enough to protect us, but also loves us enough to correct us. Verse 14 For the Lord will not cast off his people. Isn't it awesome that he's not going to cast us aside? He doesn't forsake us. Neither will he forsake his inheritance. Deuteronomy 31 verse 6. Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Isaiah 41 verse 10, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee by the right hand of my righteousness. 1 Peter 5 verse 7, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Matthew 28 verse 20, Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. It's great knowing that he's going to be with us, but... Isn't it also just as true that knowing that he's with us, knowing that we're connected to him, knowing that we're plugged into him, doesn't that also mean that we've got to disconnect from something else? Charles Fuller said, fellowship with God means warfare with the world. Fellowship with God. See, when we decide that we're going to be plugged into him, it requires us to disconnect from the world. When we decide that we're going to plug into Him, we're going to be connected to Him, it requires us to disconnect from the world. I've got an illustration this morning. I'm going to show you just how to personalize this in our lives because this is a lamp that was on my desk until about an hour ago. And uh, I disconnected this lamp from the world. It doesn't, or from, from my outlet upstairs in my office. And it doesn't matter, hey, on, off, on, off. It doesn't really matter. This thing has no power source. This is disconnected. And it is not going to provide any kind of light until it is plugged in to a power source. Now, here's the thing. Before Jesus, man, we were plugged in. But we were plugged into the wrong source. Hey, I'm plugged in. And I'm plugged into the world, and I'm doing what I want. Yeah, there it is. And uh, I'm plugged in. But this is how we live our Christian life. All right? Because before Jesus, we walked in darkness. Hey, we, we were connected to a power source, but we walked around in darkness. But when we come to Jesus and we disconnect from the world, hey, 
we can still walk around and have the light around us, but have no light within us. When in our lives, we can disconnect from the world, and a lot of people will disconnect from the world, but never plug into Jesus. They'll live without his power, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. See, we can live around, we can live around Jesus and even have Jesus in us, but never experience his power flowing through us. The potential's there. There's the power source right there. I can plug into Jesus and he'll provide me with his power and his ability. But that's a conscious choice. See, I can forsake the world and disconnect from all the world has to offer, but I also have to plug in to a power source. See, I've got to plug in to him. And if I don't plug into him, I'll never experience his power. See, I can have the light all around me. I can have his power flowing all around me and never experience it flowing in me unless I connect to him. See, I've got to be connected to the power source. And church, we need his power. We need him a whole lot more than he needs us. And in our lives today, we've got to be plugged in. The speculation. And then lastly this morning, we see the salvation. The, the psalmist speculates the response time of the Lord and doesn't know how long it's going to be. But now he focuses on the salvation that he offers to all men. And it doesn't come without resistance. We see the problems that are mentioned in verse 16. It says, who will rise up for, for me against the evildoers or who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? Unless the Lord had been my help, my soul had almost dwelt in silence. He knew that the Lord was going to provide for him, knew he was going to protect him, knew he was going to be there for him. He wondered who would defend him. But just as soon as he starts asking all the questions, he remembers, hey, it's the Lord who's with me. He is the one who's fighting for me. It's him. It's his power. It's his ability. It's his might. And we might look around and see friends who don't like us at times. We might walk around and say, man, my coworkers are against me. My family doesn't always support me. My friends might forsake me, but there is one who is there who will never leave us. There is one who is consistent, who is faithful. And you don't have to look far to find him. It's a history lesson. Verse 17, unless the Lord had been my help, it was remembering, hey, there's been times in my life where he's been there. And you've got times like that in your life as well. When you can look back and see his handiwork. Hey, how the Lord protected you, how he provided for you, how you gave you strength and gave you that ability to keep going. Think about that little boy who's walking hand in hand with his dad and that little bitty hand is held in the father's hand and they're walking side by side. Think about that little boy as he trips and stumbles. Man, he could get hurt if it weren't for the hand of the father, the, the master's hand. That hand of the master, touched by the master's hand. And that little boy can, strip, can trip and stumble, but because the master has his hand holding to our hand. See, we don't have to know what tomorrow holds as long as we know the one who holds tomorrow. See, I don't have to know what tomorrow is holding as long as the one who holds tomorrow is holding me. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be all right. Remember Psalm 73, verse 2. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. He said, there was times in my life when I didn't know what was coming next. 
But what, what upholded him? What gave him that strength? What lighted his way? Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light, a light unto my path. Hey, are you spending time in God's word? Are you spending time with him? Is it directing your path? Is it giving you, charting a course for you? See, he speaks to us and tells us the direction we should go. He speaks through his word and shows us the right path to be on. Proverbs 3, verse 6 and 7. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. See, you can try and go your own way, but it's not going to end up well. It's not going to end the way that you want it to. The problems, we're all going to face them. But then number two, we see the purpose. The purpose. In verse 19, in your life and mine, we can expect problems. But we can also expect that there's a purpose behind the problems. See, we're going to have problems, you and I. Jesus promised they were coming. But we can also expect that there is a purpose connected to the problems. Verse number 19, In the multitude of my thoughts within me, thy comforts delight my soul. Hey, all of these thoughts going around my head, how long? When when is God going to break through? What's going to happen? In the multitude of those thoughts, I'm reminded that you're still with me. I'm reminded that he's still faithful and consistent. And it reminded him that God wasn't like the world. Verse 20, shall the throne of iniquity have fellowship with thee, which frameth mischief by a law? They gather themselves together against the soul of the righteous and condemn the innocent blood. God is not like the world. And the world is not like him. He is different. Psalm 54 and verse 4 Behold, God is mine helper. The Lord is with them that uphold my soul. Psalm 63, 7. Because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. See, we have a choice in this thing of how close we're going to be to the Lord. Uh, Caleb's going to come and help me real quick. And uh, Caleb had, came up and said, have you seen my shirt? And I love his shirt. Man, it, he is, it's kind of like chance, you know. Uh, there's no doubt that Caleb is in the room. I do like that shirt. And... Uh, so I'm getting ready to open this umbrella because I'm not superstitious. This doesn't bother me at all. Uh, but, um, you know, you think about an umbrella and what it does. It provides protection. All right, it provides protection. I almost brought a water hose in here, but figured that would be a little too far. I'll stick with the umbrella just for this morning. Uh, but think about what an umbrella does. It provides protection. It provides protection for us. But in this illustration, I'm the Lord, and I'm saying, hey, as long as you stay close to me, if it's raining outside... I'll keep you dry. If it's raining outside, I'll keep you safe. You just stay close to me. But how often do we take a, make our conscious decision and say, you know what, God, I'm, I'm okay out here. You know, this shirt, it'd probably hold up to water fairly decent. You know? And God, I just want to be close, but I don't know if I want to be that close. We do understand that the umbrella is only so big. And when I choose to step outside of the umbrella... When I choose to step away from God, see, God doesn't move. He said, I'm the Lord. I change not. God is consistent. He's the same. So when I make the decision to step away, I'm also choosing to step outside of his protection. Lord, I'm okay with the end result. I'm okay with being out here by myself. I understand the consequences. We might not like them, but when we choose to step away from him, We're understanding that I'm no longer protected. Uh, We could make this same analogy for 
our kids with a relationship with their parents. We could make the same analogy with saying, hey, I don't care about the law and I'm going to do my own thing. See, it doesn't really matter, but what matters is, are you being protected? See, God said, hey, I want you to stay close. I want you to stay close enough to where I can defend you. You Close enough to where you're right here to where I can speak to you and I can show you direction in in the way you need to go. But if I choose to go out there, you can go back to your seat. Thanks, Caleb. If I choose to go all the way back out to my seat, that's my choice. But I know God's protection is right here. And in our world today, we need this protection. We need this. But are we willing to get close enough to Him to enjoy that protection? Are we willing to get up next to Him so that we are protected in our lives today? After thinking about all that the enemy wants to do, what do we see in verse 22 and 23? But the Lord is my defense, and my God is the rock of my refuge. He's our rock, church. And in verse 23, last verse, And he shall bring upon them their own iniquity, and shall cut them off in their own wickedness. Yea, the Lord God, our God, shall cut them off. Why is church so important? Why is church essential? Because we need reminding that we're not alone. We need reminding that the Christian life was never meant to be lived solo. The Christian life is all about fellowship. We need to know that you're not on an island. And Satan would love to get you there, by the way, in your mind, thinking that you're the only one, that your your church is the only church in town. Your church is the only one that has friends. All of these different things. You cannot survive by yourself. We need each other. We're never alone. God promised to be with us. And don't let Satan confuse your mind. See, we sit back and we, he wants us to think that we're all alone and no one understands and it's never going to get better and God's never going to come through and it's always going to be like this. That's what Satan wants us to believe. But remember, Satan has never had an honest conversation. Satan has never had an honest conversation. What did Jesus say? About Satan. Remember he was talking to the religious leaders. In John 8 44. Year of your father the devil. And the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. And abode not in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie. He speaketh of his own. For he is a liar. And the father of it. So in our life today. You can believe the lie. Satan's whispering in our ear, talking to us. Never going to get better. Always going to be like this. How long, God? Yep, you're going to keep saying that because he's never going to come through. Never going to change. Your situation is never going to be any different. You have to live with this the rest of your miserable life. We can listen to the lie today. You can believe the lie. And you can believe someone who has never spoken the truth. Or you can believe the one who's never spoken a lie. You can believe the one who's never spoken the truth. Or you can place your faith and trust in the one who has never spoken a lie. See the contrast? Major difference. One will always lie to you. And one will never lie to you. 
So when he says, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, he means it. When he says, I'm with you all the way, even to the end of the world, he means it. When he says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for I am meek and lowly. You will find rest for your soul. When he says that, he means it. Why? Because he's never spoken a lie. And he is. Ask yourself, is there anybody who I can trust more than him? That's a short list. With no one on it. He's the only one that will never lead. He's the only one who will never lie. So today, do you have him? Not about knowing about him, but do you have him? Do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? Are you leaning on him for your rest, for your encouragement? Do you understand that he is going to, be a, he is going to provide that breakthrough? It might not be on your timetable, but yeah, I promise you it will be on his timetable. Are you leaning into him? today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. This is our time of reflection and invitation where we simply stop and reflect on what we've just seen from his word and how it applies to us and how we're going to respond to what God's word says. This morning our personal workers are moving into place and they do that so that they can be ready to answer questions for you and pray for you and pray with you and to be here for you for whatever you need this morning. Maybe you're hurting or maybe you're needing encouragement or maybe you're here this morning and you just need hope and need reminding that God is on your side and He is faithful and He will be with you. Whatever you need today, He wants to be that answer. See, there are times in our lives where we lose focus on Him. But maybe you're here this morning and you've never focused on Him to begin with. Maybe there's never been a time in your life where you've trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. See, salvation is not a list of do's and don'ts in religion. Salvation is a relationship with Jesus. So the question this morning is, do you have that relationship? You can know all the facts, you can know all the stories, and still die lost because you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're here and you're like I was when I was a teenager in high school and I had heard about Jesus, I knew all the stories, I knew all the verses, but I had never applied what Jesus did on the cross to my life. And hey, that's what it's all about. Has the blood been applied to your heart and life? What Jesus did on the cross, has it been applied to you? Maybe you're here this morning and say, Pastor, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that if I died, I'd be on my way to heaven. I, I don't know if I died that heaven would be my home. I don't know Jesus is my Savior. I'm just not convinced. Is that you today? Hey, I don't want to embarrass you or come and talk to you or send somebody to talk to you, but I would like to pray with you. I would like to pray for you. Maybe you're here this morning and you would be honest with yourself and be honest with the Lord and be honest with me. No one else is looking around, but could I be your friend this morning and pray for you? Could I, would you, in this moment, with no one looking around, would you simply admit what you already know in your heart that you need Jesus? And maybe that's you. Whether you're watching online or in the room, do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? Could I pray for you? Would you be honest with me and maybe slip up your hand and say, Preacher, that's me. You're talking about me. I, I need Jesus. I, I don't know that Jesus is my Savior. I, I don't know that if I died, I'd be on my way to heaven. I'm, I'm not convinced. Could I pray for you? Is that you? I, I don't want to miss you, but I do want to pray for you. Pastor, pray for me. Would you slip up your hand right here in this moment? Real quick, put it right back down. I just want to know who I'm praying for today. 
Maybe you're here this morning and you need that hope that's found in Jesus. Maybe you have Jesus as your personal Savior, but you're not leaning into the relationship you're leaning away from. Maybe that's what you need today. You need the encouragement that he offers. You need to be reminded that, hey, that how long, when's that breakthrough going to come? It's going to come in his timing. Not necessarily in ours, but it's going to come in his. But are you trusting that that breakthrough is going to happen? See, when that music fades and all is stripped away and we just simply come to him, that's when that heart of worship is revealed. Are you tuned into him today? And if you're not, I'm going to challenge you. Why don't you talk to somebody about it? Why don't you talk to the Lord about it? Well, our personal workers are around the room, standing in the back, up front. I'm going to be right down front and would love to encourage you, pray with you, remind you of his faithfulness to you. But that's got to be a step you've got to take. And maybe you're here this morning and you need him. Would you simply talk to him today about what he's talking to you about? And take this opportunity to speak to God and get that need met in your own heart and life. Father, please bless our time of invitation, reflection. Lord, as we sing in just a moment, Lord, help us to be reminded that there is a heart for worship that you desire for us. But Lord, help us to get out of the way so that you can achieve that in our hearts and lives. Lord, please forgive us where we failed you. If there's someone here today that doesn't know you as their Savior, please let today be their day of salvation. Help them to see their spiritual need, whatever it may be, Maybe it's a restored relationship with you. Maybe it's coming to you for the very first time. But Lord, help us to examine our hearts and see where we stand in sight of you. Lord, we love you. Thank you and praise you for who you are and what you've done. Please receive our worship in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to sing that song, Heart of Worship. Pastor Tim's going to lead us.